So entrepreneurship, you may have a misguided belief that it is all roses and sunshine, but this week's guest on the second act entrepreneur show, Anka Herman, is going to give you the backstory about her journey as an entrepreneur so that you can take a little bit of solace that things aren't always roses and sunshine. It's sometimes work and uncertainty and a little bit of fear that goes into uh, building your business. So Anka's story is one of amazing proportions. She's done all the things and she's been around the block. And she gives some great insights on how to overcome the things that you think might stop you in your tracks. And also talks real about some of the struggles that entrepreneurship brings in um, building your business. So tune in with me this week for Anka Herman's interview and to not only learn her second act entrepreneur story, but also get some inspiration about where you're going and the success and excitement that waits you on the other side of some of the things that you're going through now. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey there, I'm Elisa Connor, ex-corporate marketer turned entrepreneur. And along the way, I made all the mistakes just so you don't have to. Chances are you have a pretty full career. You've got experience, expertise, and probably a whole lot of education. The problem is people can't find you. This is why each week on the Second Act Entrepreneur Show, we feature expert education, marketing insights, and mindset shifts that are going to help you create a profitable business so you can secure your legacy, ensuring that you thrive not only in your first career, but also your second act. Welcome to the second act entrepreneur show. One of the things I hear most often from clients and um, people that become clients before they become clients is I just don't have time to email. I don't have time to email my list every single week. I don't know what to put in the emails. I stare at my computer and it's just looking at a blank screen. I don't know what to put in the email. I'm not creative. I don't know how to write very well. All of these things can be answered with my brand new resource called 365 email prompts. This was created with you in mind. Those people who struggle with what to write, don't know how to show up in the inbox and really don't know what to say to keep the relationship building going. These were written with you in mind. Every month is a new category and within every category are 30 to 31 prompts for you to choose from. And there's even check boxes next to the prompts so you know the ones that you've used. Now, does it mean you have to send an email every single day? Absolutely not. That would be, <laughs> that would be really, really difficult, even for the pros that are in the email marketing world. But what it does give you is the opportunity to jump between months to mix up your email marketing so that you can have a new topic idea, a new way to get in front of your audience, a new way to start a conversation. And because the prompts are uh, created by month, you could take the whole month of January and do that month for the next however many days you decided to send out an email. So if it was once a week, well, you would have 30 weeks worth of emails just with that one month. And so this email prompt guide resource um, could ultimately give you multiple years worth of email topics if you only emailed once a week. Now, if you decided to up it and go twice a week, obviously you, you would go through those prompts a little bit quicker, but 
the prompts are there for you to reuse again. So it's limitless what you can do with this email prompt resource. You can find your copy over at alisaconnor.com forward slash email prompts. If you're ready to take charge of your email marketing, stop staring at a blank screen and finally be consistent with your email marketing, go get yourself a copy, alisaconnor.com forward slash email prompts. And I will see you in the inbox. So welcome to the second act entrepreneurs podcast. I am super excited to have as my guest today, Anka Herman. Hey, Anka, how are you today? I'm very well indeed and always delighted to be here with you. I'm so um, glad that you're here. And Anka and I have partnered on several different things and have gotten to be remote friends because Anka <laughs> lives in Spain. Um, so before we dive into a little bit about your backstory, tell us a little bit about why you ended up in Spain. Like, how did you end up in the South of Spain? <laughs> well, that's, that could potentially be a very long story, but I'm, I'm going to make it short. I was working and living in London in the software industry, and I had a bucket list trip to Peru. You know, one of those, you know, the Andes, it was always one of those things that I didn't want to leave this earth without having seen. And it was, and the type of trip that was, it was, a, it was called a roaming tour, I still remember. And it was really just like a group of people with a guide, you know, so it was literally not all that organized in a sense. And so my little translator's mind goes, ooh, I'd have a better time if I just knew a little bit of Spanish. So I went and found myself and I thought, oh, I just want to find like this, this is some basic Spanish and stumbled across this this company that taught Spanish and the way they describe their teaching method on their website, I'm like, ooh, forget about the little basic course. This is interesting. So I signed up with that, crammed in the first module before I went to Peru, but got hooked by, hey, I was surprised how far I got with that in the month. Like, you know, it was, I mean, it obviously wasn't fluent in Spanish when I was in Peru, but I kind of defended myself way better than I thought. So that had me hooked. I came back, kept studying all the modules they had, and then what did I do with my newly found Spanish, right? So I took trips over to Spain. And um, on one of those trips, I ended up in Granada, and I'm like, I don't know, there's just something about this place. <laughs> and it was literally, yeah, I mean, I have my theories what exactly it was that was calling me, but it was, it felt strong enough to think about it because I, you know, when you live in London, you contract, like I traveled a lot, right? So, and I've been to loads of places, not once did I have that feeling, ooh, I could see myself live here. And I just thought, well, you know what? I just want to know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to think back 10 or 20 years later, I wonder what life in Spain would have been like, right? Yeah. So I thought I'd rather go. Who knows whether the manana attitude that I like so much when I'm on holiday that might drive me crazy when I try and live there, but I won't know until I try it out. So that was 18 and a half years ago. Nice. And that's such an entrepreneurial outlook. It's it's so funny. So you mentioned that you started out working for corporate as a contractor. And then I know you did not jump into what you do now. Um, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But um, well, let's start there. Tell us what you do now and then what you did in between, because I think it's such an interesting um, transition. And there are a lot of people out there that listen to the show that are either have been in corporate and they think that like their next move has to be their last and final move. And you are proof of the pudding. And so am I that that is not always the case. So Absolutely. Tell, us, 
tell us what you do now and then um, what you did along the way. Yeah. I, I mean, I probably would want, I mean, it does make sense. <laughs> At least in my mind, it all makes sense in the end. And I was the first one to doubt that for a long time. So when what I do now is I work mostly with like most of my clients are coaches, therapists, people who have a really strong message, something they're really passionate about and want to turn into an online business. And they, they, they're really good at what they do, but this whole online space is new. So when it comes to, oh, I want to put together a program or a workshop or a challenge or like want to offer my services online, they get lost in the tech weeds. There's this like, oh, I don't know, where does the button go? Like, I don't know what happens involved what does that mean you know and so people get overwhelmed with that and I basically say well okay let's just slow down to speed up and help them figure out what they need when they need it and put things put the right things in place at the right time at the right pace basically in the right order so that they don't at the end of the day my end goal is to bring their vision to life and not have them stumble over the tech hurdles and give up in frustration and then basically give up and go back to corporate or or give up on the dream altogether so that is really my ultimate goal and I use my tech skills <laughs> to, to basically shove aside hurdles that could get in the way nice and your background is in tech um, but you had a stop along the way so tell us a little bit about your stop <laughs> on along the way before becoming the the tech taming monster <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there was a couple of stops. That's the funny thing. Like, I actually started out as a translator. I'm, I'm a language girl by, by, by training. And it all, I stumbled into the software industry when I moved to Spain. Um, to Spain, I'm saying, to, to Australia in the mid-90s. And I was like, oh, multicultural Sydney. Heaven for a translator girl, right? Oh, boy, I quickly found, within weeks, I found out that that was like, totally wrong assumption and uh, I wasn't going to last in that industry and I handed out my resume to anybody who would have it and ended up in a software company and there I was mid-90s thinking hmm there's something here you can see the bubble was like this is where the future goes but oh my god I'm totally overwhelmed there's just too much stuff I'm way too old to get into this uh, I'm a woman I'm not all that technical this is just like you know, exactly what my clients feel now. And I wasn't really sure what to make of all of this until the day it dawned on me, wait, what? Programming language. It's got vocabulary and it's tiny. <laughs> you know, it's got structure, it's got a grammar and it's very rigid. So basically, it's just like a real language, just without the exceptions that make a natural language difficult. So bottom line, this whole programming thing, it's just like a real language is simpler. It's like, ah, so now it made sense to me. And it didn't mean I was like any good at it overnight, but I felt I knew how to learn languages. So I knew I had what it took to make this thing mine. And then I could just get to work and get good at it, basically. So I did, you know, I basically, you know, it didn't take long before somebody says, hey, you could get a job at this. <laughs> and so I did. And I had this really fun career in software development and corporate banking, all kinds of different, uh, usually workflow process-based projects where it was about, okay, you've got a job to do. How can we make this easier? And um, so that was what I, what I was doing until I went to Spain and thought, what would I do if I were to really move to, 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 to Spain? And I thought, well, you know what? Why not just 
take a step back and think like, if I could do anything, what would I do? And what popped to mind, I was literally cutting a roughly summer dress on my dining table with flamenco music playing in the background. I'm like, yeah, write this. I'd make flamenco-inspired clothes. I had, I'd have a small custom made-to-measure kind of sewing studio. And then I was like, okay, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and I was like, you know, it was, I mean, it wasn't that nothing could go wrong, but there was no obvious showstopper, right? There was nothing that would make it impossible right from the outset. So, you know, like if you go and say, oh, I want to be a doctor. Well, you got to go to med school, right? So you can't just be a lawyer just because you feel like it. But yes, you can be a dressmaker if you can find somebody who buys a skirt you make, right? So, yeah, it was literally, let's see what happens, was my business plan. Yep, and how that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's a funny one because I'm sometimes looking like, looking back thinking if I would start that business again with what I know now, what would I do differently? And I'd be, hell yes, there are quite a few things that I'd do differently. But still, I sometimes think that the fact that it was so out there, right? And everybody looked at me as if I was totally crazy. It was almost like there was no fear of failure, yeah. right? So it, it was, I actually sometimes think like not having an idea and just thinking, well, again, I don't want to hand out programmers resumes when I'm 50, right? And I don't like where this industry is going. And I don't want to be shaking every time there's like, oh, there's a restructuring thing and you might be restructured out of your position. And I thought, well, again, I, I usually fear regret more than failure. And I thought, well, okay, let's just give it a go. You know, the worst that can happen is that it doesn't work out or that it may work out and I don't like it. But well, fine, no big deal. At least I know. At least I've tried it. And not knowing what was to come was kind of like, yeah, sometimes it's better not to know what's coming. So it made it possible in a way, I think, like not having an idea actually made it possible. But um, yeah, of course, I, like looking back, I think, I mean, I guess you never know what you don't know, because now I'm looking back, so ooh, I would, would get a mentor or like somebody to help me see, because I thought, no crazy German person has moved to Spain trying to make flamenco costumes, right? You know, so there was nobody else that who had done exactly that. Yeah. What I didn't take into account or didn't know existed was that like a coach or a mentor would be able to help me see the stuff I can't see, even though, even if they haven't done the exact thing. So definitely getting that outside perspective, I wouldn't want to do it with, without that because I could have saved myself a lot of stress and a lot of headache for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I look back on that time too, and you said some really important things. One is step through the fear, because I think that's one of the things that keeps people stuck in a position. And then they wake up and they're like, I have no time left to do anything I want because I've given all my time to corporate and I hated every minute of it or they give up. That's the other thing that you brought up. But I think um, the other piece of that is that looking back, it's, you know, what they say, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but you know, we were probably starting our initial entrepreneurial journey about the same time. And you say, yeah, I would have hired a coach or whatever, but if you look, if you actually look at that time period, there were not coaches available, like business coaching and, 
And um, the coaching industry really is pretty new. And you might be able to find somebody that was a business coach at the, through a referral, but chances are they would have been ludicrously expensive because the opportunity wasn't there like it is now. And also like, what is the likelihood that they're going to be able to relate to exactly what you're doing <laughs> if, you know, because it's so unusual. And so I really like that you took that path because there's a couple of really important things that I think people can take away from that journey. And the one is, is like, just do it anyway, because if you regret it later, what, what have you given yourself besides I would have, could have, should have. But also like the other piece that you brought into this is you always take a lesson. You can't not take what you learned forward. And so everything that you did in your corporate job, and I love the, the connection between computer language and linguistics because yeah, I never thought of it that way, but it's totally true. It's a language you don't speak. <laughs> just, that's the thing. And yeah. I think it's always what it comes down to is how, and that's how we learn anything, right? And there's, there's this one definition. I never know where I found it. It's not mine. And, and it says what learning or teaching is connecting something unknown to something known. And that's all it is, right? It's just a teacher's job to find that known bit to make something make sense for you. So, you know, a good teacher will find that bit that's known yeah. so that you go, oh, yeah. So now the language connection was what made this made sense to me. And it's what I consider my job to help my clients. You know, and I've used, I've got a mini course around, you know, let's cook up a storm in the tech kitchen. I basically use the cooking and cooking a meal or cooking and cooking for a dinner party as an example for you actually do know how to go, how to go about this. Yeah. You just don't know you don't, you know, so it's that it, it's, there's so much referable skill in anything, you know, and I think that's one of the things so many times people, I mean, I've had like ex, ex colleagues who kind of, oh, well, I wish I could have done what you, you know, what you did. And I'm like, well, you could have, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's nothing, I had nothing that you didn't have. And people have the sense of what's at stake or what it requires to give up. And they don't like focus on all the things they can take along. Right. You know, and I think you are absolutely hitting the nail on the head is there's this propensity, especially now in the digital world that we live in, that everything is instant and that you just <laughs> are going to build your business overnight and you're going to be a millionaire. And I was like, well, no, <laughs> it's just not going to happen that way. It still takes work and it still takes a lot of the soft skills that technology can't give you. And I think that's kind of the misnomer. I feel like a lot of the upcoming generations and the generations that are younger than us are living by, like they try something for a year or 18 months. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, it didn't work yet. And I'm like, really? You're just getting started. You're on the runway sister. Yeah, like you got, yeah. you got work to do. And I think everybody wants the easy button and there is no easy button. It's, it's putting in the work, it's doing the time. It's building the relationships, it's building connection. And that's, um, that's a really good point that you, you know, you've touched on. So there's a couple of different directions we could go with this. The one that comes to mind is just, I'm thinking about my audience. And one of the things that entrepreneurs really struggle with that you seem to have down to a science <laughs> is processes. 
mm-hmm. feel like we just, we do a lot of the same activities, but we're so busy in the doing that we're not documenting what we do every day. And so there, it makes it really hard <laughs> to outsource. It makes it really hard to repeat it and do it again if it works. And so if you could just give us a couple of like your best tips on how to start getting those processes put down into either an electronic format or a written format, whatever you recommend. And then like, where do you go from there? Like what processes do you start with? Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely... And I can see, like, in my experience, when I look at how I work with clients, I can see why this is difficult for people, right? Because it requires you to think through not just what you do, but how you do it on a level of detail that people aren't familiar with, right? And I've seen this. I've learned this in the software industry. And I remember the project. It was it was a home loan project in the back. You know, it was like, okay, this is the home. <laughs> People would come, you you come in and you just bought a house, you apply for a mortgage. And so you have to hand in all this paperwork and then now it arrives. Now what we do with it? Like, how does this go now until you've got the money in your bank account? And I remember speaking to the first person who would put the, all the data into, into the computer, right? And I remember sitting there asking him, okay, so you put enter the data and then what? And he goes, oh. Then it goes to Jane. And I'm like, okay, who's Jane? Well, Jane sits over there. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, like, give me the role. Like, I mean, Jane can go. And then I'm like, oh, Jane goes, what, what happens if Jane goes on holiday? Well, then, then it goes to Sally. Right. And I'm sitting there rolling my eyes, thinking, oh, for God's sake, I just need, what's the role? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why doesn't he get that? And then I thought, well, he's a data entry person in the bank. You know, if he was any good at that, he'd be a software developer, (laughs) you know? So it's like, this is my job. But I think that's what happens. That's where people get into trouble with their web designers, right? Because tech people think like that and other people don't. So you people most of the time try and skip that step because they don't even know it's there. So for them to, to break this thing down really requires effort. So I think documenting is the first step, Right. And to say, well, what is it? How something that you think, oh, well, um, somebody else might want to take over this at some point, or I might need to explain this to somebody else. That's the moment where you think, well, okay, let's just sort of start writing down what are the individual steps involved here. And I, well, you know, everybody has to find the tool. The most, most important thing about the tools is like pick the one that works for you. You know, I'm finding a digital tool is always more useful because I'm useless on paper. And I, you know, <laughs> because it's always like the moment I find myself writing something twice, my shackles go up. And um, and you want to do that, I think, bef- well before you need that. Because if you're already frazzled and have too much, you know, too many balls in the air, in the air then it's really hard to take the time out and now start documenting it feels like oh my god i don't have time for that and then you're on the hamster wheel and spin so fast you can't get off so this thing of getting organized and documenting things and and consciously think about not just what you want to do but how you want to do it i think you should start this as early as possible and the first step is to literally like list out the task and if you have a tool like my favorite clickup then you just literally put those tasks in there. And then before you go and say, oh, I have a process, 
you know, you might want to have a close look at them and say, well, okay, which steps can be eliminated by actually switching the sequence around, mm -hmm. right? So quite often the sequence of steps has a lot of power in it. You know, and if you just do this one thing first, the, the one thing that doesn't require anything else, then you probably cut out five steps afterwards when you have to go and now this and then you have to come back and not forget to come back and all of that. So to actually streamline the thing before you go and, and uh, you know, teach it to somebody else. Yep. And I, it's interesting because I was thinking about the role story that you told about the bank. And when you're coming out of corporate or you're coming out of a previous career, typically entrepreneurs prior to being an entrepreneur had one role. And so when you move into entrepreneurship, all of a sudden you have like 12 roles or more. And you don't, if you forget a role like sales, for example, and you're like, oh, well, Phil's not here, my sales guy, because he works <laughs> at my old job, and I don't have any sales, and it's not Phil's fault, it's my fault. And so it's, you know, I think you're right, starting that right away is going to keep you on task and make you aware of all of the things that you just took on, because whether you're getting paid for the roles or not, they need to happen. And it's, you know, the web, <laughs> your web designer or developer, your, you know, your copywriter, your sales team, your accounting team, your HR team, you've got all of those things. And yeah. so you either have one choice, you can try and do it all and wear 25 hats and make yourself insane, or you can get the processes down and start outsourcing those a piece at a time personally, I think in order of um, most important, <laughs> like, so to me, it's like accountant first, you know, whatever it might be. But then the, like, you, like you said, look at the processes and those steps that are taking a lot of time, like are those things that you can either eliminate by doing something else? Or is it something you can give to someone else that doesn't charge your hourly rate? Yeah. And I think people fear um, outsourcing a lot of times, but it's costing them so much money to do it themselves. They don't. But that's even... interesting. See, I actually see, I, I sort of feel, I quite often observe the opposite, you know, like people try and rush to outsourcing and, and, but I mean, and I'm all for outsourcing always when it doesn't come from a place of fear and avoidance, mm. right? Because when somebody comes and, especially in the tech space, it's like, oh, I outsource that, yeah. right? Oh, I, I just outsource the tech. Can I, can I just outsource the tech, right? It sounds, the problem is with it, it sounds so grown up, yeah. right? It sounds so business owner-like, yeah. when in essence, what they're saying, I'm scared to deal with it. It's not my thing. I don't want to know. I don't want to deal with it. I want somebody else to deal with it. That's what they're often saying. Yeah. Now, the problem is they go about that in this, avoidance kind of way that if you were to translate that into uh, working with a financial advisor or your accountant <laughs> would be going like, Oh, you know, money stuff. I just, no, I just don't want to deal with it. I just outsource that, yeah. you know, here, here's my bank details. Here's my password. Here are all my bank details. You just take care of it. I just don't want to know. Yeah. You know, you, would never you think, well, well, you would, you like, hopefully you wouldn't do that. Yeah. And people do that with, you know, the, 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 the ease and quickness with which people try and throw their passwords at you is just mind-boggling, right? Yeah. And then they come and say, oh, well, actually, I can't access my stuff because it's actually not mine. And, and I'm always saying, like, 
just like with a financial advisor, it is in your best interest to understand enough yeah. to kind of know what they're doing, why they're doing it, and be a business owner and literally work together with your financial advisor. And if you have somebody helping you with tech, work together with them and know enough to understand what's going on. So don't be that client who gets ripped off because they can sell you any old tool because you don't know, yeah. you know, or, or, or you go and, um, you know, do silly things or you have ridiculous expectations. That's the other thing. Oh, I just want a button that sells it all for me. Right. And you know, Oh, that costs more than 50 bucks. Oh, well that isn't right. You know, when you make these stupid demands because you haven't got a clue, don't yeah. be that client. You yeah. know. Well, and I think um, what you're pointing at is ineffective outsourcing. Mm -hmm. And I agree. Like I think back to, to some of the people that I've created <laughs> websites for, they don't, and the worst is when their website gets hacked and they don't have access to any of the information for their website. And they're like, but I need it back right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's not happening yeah. today because yes. this is not instant. I Exactly. And the people you see, especially around websites where you think, you know, where, where I'm saying like people quite so happy to, to shove the tech, the tech onto somebody else's plate. But usually what you find, well, it's actually not like the tech's the least of your problems as always, right? Because most of the time what they're struggling with is the, is the content. Every single time somebody's overwhelmed with it, I'm like, okay, what do you do? Like, <laughs> what is it? What are we going to put there? You know, and you go to sort of get, well, well, you know, I help people step into their inner self, huh? right? So it's like at the end of the day, 80% of the work is messaging, positioning yeah. kind of work, offering, building out an offer. And yeah. then you kind of put together the pages to represent that. Well, but people don't usually make the different, the, like don't differentiate structure from content. Yeah. Well, and they're so busy. It feels like everyone's so busy with I need to be online that they don't think through any of that stuff. And you and I've had multiple conversations about <laughs> people that create online programs, and they spend hours, weeks, months, years developing all this content. And you and I are of the same philosophy, which is like, hey, has anybody paid for that yet? And the answer is almost un unequivocally no, like nobody's paid me for this. I put hours time, hours or more of time into this. And now I'm desperate to sell it. And I got to find people. And it's like, no, back the train up. Like you should find the people, figure out what they want and then make it. And I, I think that the same thing goes with your website. Like if you're just putting out there what everybody else is putting out there, number one, you're not going to stand out. And number two, you people aren't going to find you and choose you unless you give them a reason to. And most people don't want to do the work to do that. Or they don't know, I shouldn't say, maybe they want to do the work, but they don't know how to do the work. So it's either they don't want to, or they don't know how to, or they've hired the wrong people. And I'm sure think, you've, you've run into that as well. Oh, all the time. Like, I think, you know, I would, I would want to sort of defend people there a little bit because Yes, all of that. I totally agree with you. You know that. But but I think people are bombarded with quick fix marketing messages all the time. Like it's I think it's very difficult to to remove yourself from this 
influence of, oh, you know, six figures in six weeks. It's like, oh, learn Spanish in 30 days, but good luck with that, you know? But it's like that idea of this, this needs to be quick or it's only good if it's quick or this whole sense of, you know, people want quick, so we tell them it's quick. People want easy, so we tell them it's easy. So basically they get told what they secretly want to hear, mm -hmm. but that's not how it works, right? And, and it doesn't have to be hard. I always say, like, it, it isn't shortcuts or chasing shortcuts what speeds you up. It's mastery. Like, when you're really good at something, it's quick. Yeah. Right? If you haven't got a clue what you're doing, everything takes a long time. You know? So I think if you want to speed up, you would want to focus on mastery. Get good at your thing. Yeah. You know? Get good at, on, get good at delivering it and selling it and, you know, And make sure it really solves the right problem for the right people and get really good at that. Yeah. You know, I think nothing will speed up your business growth quicker than, more than that. Yep. And I think that people um, like to chase shiny objects. And so yeah. they might be really good at this, this thing over here. We'll just call it star catching. They're really good at star catching and they help people catch stars all the time. And then somebody goes, but you don't have to do that because you could catch comets. But I'll, and I'll show you how and it, it'll be faster and you'll have more people. And it's like, but they don't know anything about that. But they're like, oh, but I see that. And maybe that's what I should do. And I remember when I started my entrepreneurial journey, and maybe this was the same for you. But you were looking for anybody <laughs> that could help you with whatever it was you needed help with, because there's just so many things to know. And so I think you're right, people do They go out and they put their feelers out. And then sometimes it's somebody that's a referral or somebody that they met at a networking group or whatever, and they want to trust those people. But a lot of times it's leading them astray from where they really do need to focus. So I really um, like the way that you put that, like get really, really good at the one thing that you're good at and like almost put your blinders on to the other things that will try to distract you mm. away from that. Actually, that's a really interesting point you made with that. They don't know how, like, it sort of takes too long. And I think that's where it comes again. Like, subtly, their expectations are being manipulated the entire time. Like, everywhere is like, oh, you know, you can make 90K in 90 days or 60K in 60 days. And, you know, so now if you go and try something out and then after 60 days, you've not hit six figures, you come to the conclusion that this thing is working. When in reality, you're actually totally on the right path. You just need to kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other and not expect. But I think it's like understandable because the, 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 this, these messages come from left, right and center. Three clicks, no, no coding experience required. Like, you know, you get this stuff everywhere. And I think it's almost impossible to not have it influence your idea of how long something should take. You know, and if you kind of think it should be quick and then it isn't, you think the thing isn't working. Fair yeah. enough. You know, like, or you think it's to, you to follow. That's the other exactly. thing. It's like you think yep, yep. Oh, I am doing something wrong. It must be me. Yes. And I think a lot of people go into that because being an entrepreneur, that's the one thing people don't talk about very often is like, if you want a self-help therapy course, become an <laughs> entrepreneur because all of your junk that you're carrying around that you don't yes. want to manage is going to come up. And so um, 
people don't want to do like they don't want to deal with that sometimes and they're like oh it's just me i can't do it i suck i'm gonna go (laughs) i'm gonna go back to corporate or whatever it is or i'm gonna try something else but you're right like they could be one decision away from the success that they think they should have had 30 days ago if they just kept on the path yeah and trusting your own judgment and that's also because i'm all i'm saying is if you're if, if you're listening and you're in that, welcome to the club. Like this is hard, and this is and everybody's is in that because sometimes it's it's hard to know how long to try something until you make a decision whether you should take pivot or not. That's not an easy decision to make. You can always be that one step in front of before the goal. If you hit the goal, wait. Yeah. Right now, the other part is. Of course, when you first start out and things are new, you you kind of work off the assumption that everybody else works knows this better than you, which is true when you first start out, yeah. right? Yes. So obviously, you do you don't want to reinvent the wheel because that's what I did. <laughs> so that's that's the long way too. So so you do look and learn from other people, and and that tipping point where you think, well, I've actually absorbed enough now that my own judgment is worth a lot as well. And actually now more than any individual advice I can get from somebody, you know, I think that's a tip tipping point that people sort of often miss as well, yeah. that they kind of think, well, my own intuition, like I think I, but then so-and-so says I should do this. So they go off and do that. And then, you know, as you said, then there's one here and the other one there and you run around running in a 50 million direction because you don't trust your own judgment. Right. You know, you don't get to the point that you think, well, actually, I've learned so much from so many different people now mm-hmm. that my own intuition and judgment and knowledge is actually worth more than any old experts. Yeah. And that's funny because here we are full circle to how you ended mm-hmm. up in Spain, <laughs> following your intuition. Yeah. So... Well, it has been a true pleasure having you on and just touching on some of these deep subjects that it feels Mm -hmm. like are often gloss over as we become entrepreneurs. And I, um, I love that you shared your expertise and your experience with my audience, and I would love for them to be able to find you. So do you want to tell them the best places to connect with you? Yeah. I mean, the easiest place is to go to (laughs) tamingthetechmonster.com and you get a free copy of my book with the same name, Taming the Tech Monster. It'll set your head straight and it'll let you see that you have what it takes to figure this out. I love it. And I will link all of that up in the show notes so it's easy to connect with Anka. And I also know she's on LinkedIn. Um, And so we'll add that link in there as well. So thanks so much for being here today. And I would love for you to Put it on your calendar to come back another day and we'll dive a little Anytime. bit more into the tech <laughs> area because we kind of talked more about entrepreneurship today. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me and I'll be back anytime. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Thank you. Did you miss something during the podcast? Maybe forgot to take notes? No worries. We've taken all the notes for you. All the resources, links, and information in this episode, you can find over at alisaconnor.com forward slash podcast. That's A-L-I-S-A-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash podcast.